Um, it's going to be weird recording because I want to kind of ask questions, but let's just see how it goes. Let's just see how it goes. Uh, you guys weren't here. Do you guys remember last week what we talked about? Anybody? Anybody? Remember? Last week. Last time we were together. Yeah, the benefits of salvation. Anyone remember what that is? Adopted as sons. Peace with God. Are you reading that or something? Okay. I think the last one starts with. Yeah. I think it was hope. Um, do you remember? Do you remember the background of of Colossians? Anyone? Anyone even read Colossians and just know the background of Colossians? <laughs> yeah, it's a church. It's a church in Colossae. Uh huh. Yeah, there's some false teaching that are, that's happening in the church. Um, anybody remember the name of the person who it, it was started by? One of one of Paul's, uh, I think it was one of Paul's converts. Paul shared the gospel with him, and he took that information and he started a church in Colossae. Epaphras, yes, Epaphras. Okay, so. That's the one who, who has come to Paul. And anyone know where Paul's writing this at? Prison. Yeah, he's in prison, right? He's in prison writing this letter. And um, so let's just read. Let's, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Colossians 1. Um, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother to the saints and faithful brothers in, the, in Christ at Colossae, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father. We always thank God, the Father, for our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the hope and of the love that you have for all the saints. So let me just stop there. Verse 4. How does Paul hear about these guys? What is the one thing that Paul hears about them? Their faith. What else? And the love for each other. So what distinguishes them? Their faith, but also the love that they have for one another. That's, that's how we should model our lives as well. When people hear, when, when, they, when these people say, well, well tell me about uh, Melissa, or, or tell me about Liz, or, or Patrick, the first thing they should tell, say about you is, man, that's, those are people with great faith, and they love each other. They love other people. Um, verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you heard, because... Before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it does, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you heard it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. And also, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and understanding, 
so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with the power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into, into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Great, great news. That's great news for all of us. The fact that we've been, at the last verse, or the last two verses, he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness, and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So we go from one kingdom to another kingdom, which is really great. In him, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, Christ. In Christ, we have redemption. In Christ, we have the forgiveness of our sins. Okay? So, so Paul usually starts his letters like this. With, with a praise for, for the fellow believers and brethren. Um, and then he goes into some hardcore theology. And here, he gives us one of the most Christocentric verses that one could ever pin. And if you have an ESV, you would see, what is the heading, what's the heading of yours, say, verse 15? Anyone have something different? The exaltation. the exaltation of Christ. The preeminence of Christ. Um, this is one of the greatest verses that has ever been penned. It's actually been said that this was a hymn in the early church. Okay, um, But let me ask a question. And if someone was to come to you, let's say an alien came to you, right? And they asked you, explain to me certain things. Like, what is America and... What is baseball and all these other things that we're all familiar with? Suppose that alien told you, who is Jesus Christ? What would you say? Savior of the world? God? Anyone? Perfect sacrifice. Okay, so this is, you guys are Christians, right? Okay. Someone came to you, an alien, and said, Who is Jesus Christ? What would you say? We should all be like, This, he's this, he's this. So, what would you say? Anyone, just blur it out. Yeah. Son of the beloved God. Okay, John, John 1 1. Great, that's great. An alien would be like, Okay, uh, can you please expound that text for me? That's a little deep. Um. Yeah. Uh, any anyone anyone else? Okay. Um. That that question is a question that's that's uh. It can be profound to some, but it's simple to many. Okay. And it's a question that has been asked throughout history. So, to some like skeptics, atheists, agnostics, Jesus is a myth. Okay, do you guys know what I mean by skeptics and atheists and agnostics, people who don't believe in God or, or say there's not enough evidence to believe in a God? They say that Jesus is a myth. Some actually say that Jesus never existed, and they hold firmly to that belief. Um, or Jesus simply was a great moralist. Anyone ever heard that? Jesus was just, Jesus is a good moralist. He came and he taught good things that we should we should uh, obey, you know, that turn the other cheek stuff and love our enemies. That's good stuff. We should all follow that. To others and various religions, Jesus isn't God or the Messiah. Anyone know 
what religion would believe that? Jews. Jews. People who study Judaism. Okay. Um, to Muslims, Jesus was... Who, who was Jesus to Muslims? Anyone know? Prophet. Yeah, one of the last prophets sent by Allah. Um, but was he God? Was he divine? No. They would even go as far as say Jesus didn't even die on the cross. <laughs> it was somebody else. <laughs> it was a replacement. It was it's so weird. Um, to JWs, Who's Jesus, the JWs? Who? Michael the Archangel. Anyone else? There's one thing that, that really, really sets them apart, though, that we just like, oh, man, you're so off. With the JWs? Yeah. He is... Has to do with some. Has to do with creation. He's not God, but he's the. He is God's creation. God created him. He's the first created thing, first created being. So the Father created the Son. So weird. To Mormons, who's Jesus? God. Uh huh. He's one of the gods. As you know, Mormonism has a lot of gods. But anyone know what Jesus, particularly who Jesus is? Jesus was once a man, and then he elevated himself to godhood. And in Mormonism, if yeah, yeah, in Mormonism, if 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 you uh, do what's right, then you will be like that, and you will have your own planet one day. You will be in the third heaven. You will have sex all day. How old are you, Mary? You're pretty old. You're good. You have sex all day. You know what I mean? So that's 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 the. I look forward to that. Oh man, dude. Well, because well, you got to think because um, um, Joseph Smith had a gang of wives, and so did and so did Brigham Young. Polygamy. Oh yeah, very racist. Yeah. The one of the one of the things about one of the things one of the crazy things about their uh, whole polygamy stuff is um, they held to that doctrine of polygamy for a while, but then when the state started getting involved and they're like, wait a minute, something going on. Oh wait a minute, wait, a minute. we're hearing from the prophet. The prophet's saying something. Oh wait a minute, wait a minute. that polygamy stuff? No, 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 no. We gotta throw that out. So they, they switched it up real quick. Um, it's funny too how I. One more thing about Mormons. I go into Mormons' homes, used to, when I used to clean their carpets, and they would have just pictures of every single prophet through the years. It's just, it's, and they're all like, you know, 60-year-old, look like creepish substitute teachers <laughs> <laughs> that watch, like, porn when they're taking, when they're <laughs> taking care of the kids. Like, they're just... <laughs> they just look You're like freaks, man. Hey, they look... Hey. <laughs> They look like freaks. This is going to be one of the craziest recordings ever. They're going to stop me at the P word and like, this is what they're teaching. Um, anyone know the modern Christian view of Jesus? What's the predominant view of Christian of Jesus right now? The predominant view. Very needy. Very needy. Yes. Knocking at your door. Knocking out the door. Died for everybody. Died for everybody. Yep. 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 What what are what what are these needy? What what other titles or explanations can we give for Jesus in the modern view of who of of, of how Christians view Christ today? Anyone? 
gentle. Walk around with a lamb on the shoulder. Walk around with a lamb on the shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the only ones I got. Jesus is my best friend. Um, Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is my provider. Jesus is my healer. Or simply, Jesus is the person who died for my sins. Now, now, we laugh at those things, but none of those things are wrong. None of those things are wrong at, by any stretch. But... What happens is, when Jesus is simply just that, then it becomes wrong, okay? That's when it's bad. Um, so he's all of, our thi- all of those things to us in one sense. But, but that's, not, that's not the answer that we should give to someone when asked, who is Jesus, okay? Those are not the answers that we give. Um, what should our answer be when a question like that is, a- is asked? What answer can we give that... That best gives an account for the hope that lies within us. Well, thank God that the Holy Spirit has inspired Paul to give us an answer. Okay, so, so who is Jesus Christ? Let's suppose we ask that to the Apostle Paul. Paul, who is Jesus Christ? Well, we get our answer, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20. This is the answer that we give. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Amen. Paul just goes off on some deep Christology stuff. And uh, like what my what Pastor said yesterday, when Paul goes off, he goes to another dimension. He just takes it to a whole nother level. So I just have four quick points. Um Pastor praying for you guys tonight brother uh you should be here but um four quick points okay number one is jesus is god number two jesus created all things and holds all things together Uh, number three jesus is the head of the church and number four jesus atonement brings us peace so jesus is god jesus created all and holds all things together jesus is the head of the church and jesus atonement brings us peace so, let's just get to the first point. And these are going to be very, very quick, but, but I hope that, that you guys will get something out of it. I try to make it as simple as possible because these verses are so deep, pro, so profound. And maybe next time we get together, maybe I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll do these verses again and be really technical with them. But um, we'll see. Really, Bobby, at the first point? Um, so... What is the first answer that we should give when asked, who is Jesus? Well, verse 15 tells us, he is the image of the invisible God. That's the first thing we say. Um, Meaning, God has made himself seen through Jesus Christ. God has made himself seen through Jesus Christ. The invisible has become visible through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. The Greek word translated image 
does not imply a weakening or a, or a feeble copy of something. So it doesn't mean that Jesus is the copy of something else, or he's the, the lessening of, the, of God. But what it implies is he's of the same essence or substance. So he's of the same nature as God. Okay? God has made himself known through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. God, who can't be seen, has made himself visible through Jesus Christ. And what Paul is saying, basically, guys, is when someone's asking you who is Jesus Christ, you just say, he's God. First answer we give. He is God. But, but, but I want you to note that this is not some new development in Paul's theology, okay? That Paul's not making this up. Uh, Paul isn't just saying something that hasn't been heard before, but Paul is, he's not alone in this convic- of his conviction of this. The, the Apostle John and if you know, uh, if you've been following along through our study of the book of John on Sundays, the Apostle John always makes it, make, makes it very crystal clear that the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him and without Him. Not one thing came into being, John 1.1. 1, 1, and the Word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen the glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son. And then he says in John 1.14, No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. Okay? Jesus replied to Philip's question, Lord, show us the Father. Cannot be more straightforward. What does Christ say? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Now, that's not saying that Jesus is the Father. But what that's saying is Jesus is of the same divine nature of the Father. Okay? Never get those confused. Okay? Paul is simply repeating what Jesus, throughout his earthly ministry, was saying. Jesus is God, as you, as you know. What's the big commotion right now in the book of John? That Jesus is committing blasphemy. He's, he's equaling himself to the Father. Those little, you know, I am statements. Those are driving the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chiefs. They're driving them crazy because they know what that means. Throughout his entire mis- mis- uh, earthly ministry, what got Jesus in the most trouble was him claiming to be God. Okay, Jesus was charged with blasphemy. And you know what? That's the thinking, especially in this day and age, of many people who are outside of Christianity. Because Jesus is still being charged with blasphemy to this day. Think about it. Jesus can be anything. He can be a healer, he can be a great moralist, a provider, a miracle worker. He can even be that little baby that was in the manger. He can't be God, though. He cannot be God. And friends, that's why it's so important for us to, to know, to understand, and to be able to defend the deity of Christ. Okay, It's very, very important. Very important. Because you're going to come to... And hope, um, maybe you will. But somebody's going to come to you knocking at your door one day, and they're going to just bombard you with a bunch of questions. And their main question is going to be, well, Jesus isn't God. Mainly that's Jehovah's Witnesses. But atheists as well, and Muslims. It's all the same argument, that Jesus is this, but he's not God. Okay? Paul goes on, he says, he is the firstborn of all creation. So who is Jesus? He is, for one, the firstborn over all creation. Now, the cult sometimes, like I said earlier, uses verse to say that Jesus is the first creature. Okay? He's the first creature. Doesn't that make sense, though? 
I mean, he's the firstborn of all creation. So wouldn't that make sense what, what J.W. say? He did. The Father did create Jesus then, right? As though God created Jesus first, and then he left Jesus to do the rest. That's what primarily they're saying. But, but that doesn't flow, nor does that work with what Paul is saying in these verses. Nor does it work with the whole Bible. Because in verse 16, if you will, Paul says, by him all things were created. So Jesus can't be the creator of all things if he's the one of the th- if he's one of the things that's been created. So to our JW friends, Jesus is not the first creature. He is the eternal son of God. There was never a time when he didn't exist along with the Father and the Holy Spirit. So what does firstborn mean? What does it mean then? In the Bible, the term firstborn refers to the heir. The one who inherits all things. Okay? The one who inherits all things. And that makes sense. For in verse 16, Paul tells us that everything in all of creation is for him. So everything in this universe belongs to Jesus. He is the firstborn over all. And in Old Testament times, the firstborn was the one who inherited all. Right? And that usually happens too with with families. The firstborn is the one who gets the best stuff. Well, with Christ, he is the heir of all things. That title firstborn is a title that emphasizes the preeminence and position of the Son as the one who exercises rule over his creation. In the incarnation, what we see, we see the heir of all things come into existence. We see the creator has entered his creation. That is so deep. That is so profound. Um, to be the son of God, and, and let me just explain this to you. To be the son of God is not to be literally the son of God. Like, like um, Eli is the son of Arturo. You know, or how um, Ezra is the son of Jojo. That's not what that means. To be the son of God is to be of the same nature as God. Okay, The son of God is of God. To claim to be of the same nature as God um, are to be, in fact, God. And it's funny how, how JWs will confuse that because especially when Christ is before the high priest, why, are they make, why, why would the high priest make such a commotion about Jesus calling himself the Son of God? Because they knew what it meant. These Pharisees and these people, especially in the book of John, they knew what that title, Son of God, meant. It meant that Jesus is God. Okay? Not, not he's the son of God, he's, but he is God. Which leads us to our second point. Jesus created all, and he holds all together. Verse 16. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So, verse 16, Christ is the creator of all things. Christ is the creator of all things. And that phrase, all things, is used repeatedly. It includes visible and invisible. That's earthly and heavenly things. Things of men, things of angels. Uh, Earthly rulers, spiritual rulers, everything owes its existence to Jesus Christ. Everything. Everything was made by him and for him. 
Everything was created for Christ's glory. As, as John Calvin Riley puts it, the world is a theater for God's glory. Have you ever thought about that? The world being a theater for God to just show off himself. So, so you, uh, you nature freaks, why you, next time think about that. God, every time you see a flower uh, blossom and it's all these bright, vibrant colors, just, just think about God showing himself off. Everything was created for God's, for Christ's glory. We live in a universe made by Jesus, shaped by Jesus, and it's inherited by Jesus. It's Jesus's. In Hebrews 1, 3, it says, Jesus Christ upholds all things by the power of his, by the, by the word of his power. Friends, what keeps you from flying into pieces? The upholding power of God. <laughs> the upholding power of God. What wakes you up in the morning? Yeah, it's the alarm clock, but that's only the means that God uses. God wakes you up in the morning. But think about this. Think about this. Hopefully this freaks you out. It freaked me out. If the Earth's rotation slowed down, we would all, depending on where we live, either burn or freeze. If the Earth's rotation slowed down a little bit. The same thing would happen if we, all, if we got a little further or, or near to the sun because it's 12,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Our globe is tilted on its axis at 23 degrees, which enables us to have four seasons. If it wasn't tilted like that, great ice continents would pile up on the north and the south. And think about this. If the moon didn't remain in its exact distance from the earth, the ocean tide would completely flood the land not once, twice a day. If the ocean slipped to a few feet deeper, then it is carbon dioxide and oxygen in the Earth's atmosphere would be completely absorbed and no vegetable life could exist. These are not random things, guys. These are not things that are just happening in space. That just, they're, they're clo- it's not just clockwork, but, but the point of all this is Jesus is holding all things together. Jesus is holding everything together. Christ, if I could say, is the glue of the universe. Christ is the glue of the universe. If, 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 imagine Christ, you have God's hand. I'm using, uh, I'm using anthropopathic language, okay? So Christ's hand, it, let's say he's holding the universe. If he lets go of that universe, it's over. It's all done. Okay? Jesus created all things and holds all things together. That's, this leads us to our third point, which is Jesus is the head of the church. So not only is Jesus the head of all things, but he's also the head of the church. I love how the London Baptist Confession of Faith says in chapter 16, just listen, regarding the church, the Lord Jesus is the head of the church, in whom by the appointment of the Father all power for the calling institution over the over order or governing of the church is invested in a supreme and sovereign matter. The biblical doctrine of the church revolves around Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. And we, the church, are his body. Christ is the head. We are his body. One of the greatest heresies of the Roman Catholic Church is their exaltation of a man to replace Christ. Who's that person? Anyone know? The Pope. The Pope. 
or the Bishop of Rome. And, and that title, anyone know the title? Father, yes. There's another one, though. Thunder the V. Vic. Vicar, not vinegar, vicar of Christ, of, of Jesus Christ, okay? Meaning he acts as Christ's re- representative, okay? As the ruling or supreme head of the church on earth. Okay. Yeah, bigger of Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very. That's why. That's why there was such, a, such an uproar when, when you have people who used to be um, somewhat orthodox, um, Rick Warren calling the Pope our father. He's not our father. <laughs> He's not our father. So, but that title given to the Pope uh, can't be true because it contradicts what Paul is saying in these verses. And as a side note, if you ever read the Westminster Confession of Faith or the Second London, um, they call Pope also the Antichrist. <laughs> and they just, they, just, they just kill the Pope on some pretty nasty names. So just read um, on the London Baptist Confession of Faith. It's, it's number 26, but um, it's quite comical. And if you ever read also Spurgeon's messages on the Pope, oh my gosh, it's like, dang, dude. But um, Christ is the head of church, not the Pope. Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards says, Christians are one society, one body politic, and they are subject to the same king, Jesus Christ. So we have one king, Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. He is the head of this body. Indeed, all men are subject to the power and providence of this king. But those who are in his kingdom of grace all acknowledge the same king, own his own rightful sovereignty over them, are willing to subject to him, to submit to his will, and yield obedience to his commands. So as Christ being the head of the church, that means that he is the head of our, over all of our lives. That Christ, as, as the life, principle, and sovereign ruler of this body, of this church, of his church, then he is sovereign over our lives. Okay? If you have placed your faith in Christ, in the person and work of, of him and him alone, then, then you have given him rightful sovereignty over you. You have affirmed that you are to be subject to him and you are to submit to his will and yield obediently to his commands. Okay? Another one by Edwards. Um, Christ governs his people in a peculiar manner. He immediately influences their wills and inclinations and powerfully brings them to a compliance with God's commands and rules. I love this. They are a society united in the same interest and concern. It is by the same covenant and promises that they have their inheritance and that they hold their title and to their enjoyments as a people of the same nation, hold their temporal rights, by the same rule, and citizens hold their rights by the same laws. So get this. So Christians have the same common enemies that seek to hurt and overthrow. He, he that is an enemy of one saint, as a saint, is an enemy to all. So friends, we all have the same enemies. We are all under one society. They are all jointly called to resist the same power of darkness. The church here upon earth is an army that goes forth under Jesus Christ. 
let's look at the last point, which is Christ's atonement brings us peace. Christ's atonement brings us peace. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. Making peace by the blood of his cross. James Dunn said regarding this verse, what is being claimed is quite simply simple and profound. That the divine purpose in the act of reconciliation and peacemaking was to restore the harmony of the original creation. What's the purpose of reconciliation and peacemaking? It's to restore the original creation. What's the original creation? Adam in the Garden of Eden. Resolving the disarmies of nature and the humanities of mankind, the character that a character of God's creation and God's concern for the universe in its fullest expression could be so caught and encapsulated for them in the cross of Christ. Christ, as the second Adam, restores by his blood what the first Adam brought into the creative order chaos and disunity. Adam brought chaos and disunity and disharmony. Christ, by his blood, is reconciling all those things. And notice how Paul doesn't just simply say he's, recon- he's reconciling us as believers, but, but all things, all creative order. That, that's one of the reasons why I don't believe that, that the earth is going to be obliterated. Anyone ever hear that? That the earth is going, like a, it's going to explode one day? I don't believe that at all. Because God is remaking everything. Everything is being made new again. Through his son, Jesus Christ. Friends, we are going back to Eden. A better Eden. A better new Jerusalem. And a better new heaven. And a better new earth. Everything is going to be made new. And Christ, at this present time, is reconciling, is recreating everything. Case in point, you. What does the Bible say about you? You are a new creature. You are a new creation. Christ is, is, is remaking everything as we speak. So Paul, in these five verses, goes from ontology, the nature of being, Christ being, right? To cosmology, the theory of origins, to soteriology, Christ reconciling not only his church, but all things. Okay? This passage confesses Christ as the center of the Christian experience, as well as the entire universe. Now, if these verses do not, do not just make you in awe of Christ and who he is, then, man, I would even question if you're saved. Because these verses are so deep, they're so profound. These are verses that you can spend literally years on and never, never get sick of them. What's the application of these verses? Well, as we know, the Holy Spirit applies verses to people. But let me just give you three that I, that, that I got, that I uh, took away. Number one, Jesus is God. <laughs> Jesus is God. He's, he, is, he is, yes, he is your best friend, and he's your provider, and he's all things, but primarily, he is God. Okay? Don't be fearful to proclaim Jesus, his lordship, his divine nature, who he is. Jesus is God. And if he is, and since he is God, then we are to devote our lives to him. 
And we are to tell others about this great God in whom we serve, who is remaking all things. The second application is, is since Christ is the, is the creator of all things and holds all things together, then we as his children should have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear in this world. Christ created all. Christ is upholding all things. We as his children fear not. Christ will provide. Christ will provide. If you're going through something, friends, Christ will provide. Christ provides rain for the seeds to grow, for the universe to run in its order. Will he not provide for his sheep, for his elect, for his own? I love what Paul says in Romans 8 and 8.32. He who not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Get this. How will he not also, with him, graciously give us all things? Let me just read it one more time. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, with him, graciously give us all things? He gave us Christ. Will he not give us a job when we need it? Food when we need it? A car when we need it? Money when we need it? Happiness when we need it? God spared his own son for us. He, he, he gave his best. Will he not give us everything else in the world that we need? Okay? He has freed us from, the, from his wrath and his judgment. Will he not free us from the temporal things that cause us stress in this world? Okay? Just, just think about that. Ponder on that. And, and the last one. Um, since Christ is at the center of the cosmos and the church, Christ must be the center of our lives. Since Christ is at the center of the cosmos and the church, then Christ must be the center of each of our lives. Each of our lives. Think about what holds our lives together. And if those things went away, how quickly our lives would crumble. Many people, after a breakup, completely fall apart. Because the one who was the center of their lives suddenly leaves them. Think about when people lose their jobs. We know quite a few of them in our church. And suddenly when they get that call, hey, um, we're going to have to let you go. What happens? Their lives shatter into pieces. They stop coming to church. They stop fellowshipping with brothers and sisters. We start seeing crazy things that they're posting. <laughs> but, but it's so true. Because, because those temporal things have replaced what's supposed to be the cement, the glue, the center of their lives, which is Christ. And friends, temporal things are always, always, always going to let you down. Always. Why? Why do these people fall? Why do these people shatter into pieces? Because Christ is not at the center of their lives. And when God is not at the center of your life, when God's word is not at the center of your life, and chaos, heartbreak, death, sin, when all those things come around, you will fall. So friends, I advise you, when, when you are praying, when you're going throughout your day, think about these things. Think about Christ creating all things, holding all things together. Think about Christ sustaining you. Think about Him being the center of your life and, and conforming yourself to, to Him being the center of your life, okay? 
Let's pray. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for this time. Uh, I pray that they made sense, Lord, and, and I pray for the food, Lord. May you bless the hands that prepared it. Bless those who are unable to eat, Lord. Uh, for the rest of the night, may we have good, solid, great Christian fellowship, Lord. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Hi, guys. Well, this is the moment everyone's been waiting for. So, uh, you guys can eat now. <laughs> <laughs>